Welcome to Magic at the Margins. I'm Anella Malik, founder of Feed the Malik, food blogger and content creator, and I'm here to bring you all of the grit, ingenuity, and magic happening in and around the food space. Through interviews with small business owners and the perspectives of marginalized food folks, you'll find it here, so let's dig in. Today, I'm speaking with Mary Johns, founder of Open Kitchen DC, which is a boutique food and storytelling events organization that hosts these incredible, I I won't call them, you know, dinners or food events. They're really storytelling experiences at local immigrant-owned restaurants. Their mission is to connect food, people, and culture. And I've been lucky enough to experience some of Open Kitchen DC's work and see really how impactful it is. So I'm so excited to talk to Mary today. Mary, how are you? I'm great. Thank you for that introduction. Absolutely. Well, could you introduce yourself first? Um, I always like my listeners to get a sense of the person or the personality behind the business. Absolutely. Um, I moved from Richmond, Virginia in my 20s, and I came up to the D.C. area to become an event planner. And I planned events in the travel and tourism industry and later on for philanthropist. And I've always loved food. I've cooked for as long as I can remember. And when I moved into my high rise, I started meeting my neighbors, many of whom were immigrants. And um, as I met them and started speaking with them, sometimes I get invites for dinner. And if I got an invite for dinner, mm-hmm. I, think, well, I would love that. But could I come over beforehand and cook with you? And so cooking with them in their kitchens just provided this lovely opportunity to get to know them and experience um, their food and it overcame language barriers. So I just have continued to do that through most of my life. Um, As I get to know people, I say, hey, could I come learn from you? And um, it's just been really a defining part of my life. I really enjoyed it. Um, uh, Fast forward a bit, I have three daughters and a great husband and We love trying the new food uh, or the immigrant food around our area. We can't travel quite as much as we would like to. Mm -hmm. We're a family of five, but we get to explore culture through the restaurants all around us. Um, I love people, obviously. I love hearing stories. I love telling stories. Um, I love to travel. I love food. Um, I've been to a program through Le Academy de Cuisine to continue this interest in food. And... um, We've owned two old houses, and so we're definitely uh, have learned how to renovate, and I love doing DIY stuff. Oh, that's interesting. I think that's my husband's dream is to (laughs) renovate our house, you know, that we don't own in the future one day. Even though I don't think he has much experience with it, he just is attracted to the idea of, like, having a project that he can build with his hands. Yeah. Um, But, you know, that's for another time after... after this crisis and also when we figure out if we can even really afford to buy in the DMV area. Yeah, I think uh, that's helped motivate us to buy fixer-uppers, really. (laughs) (laughs) That makes sense. So it seems like Open Kitchen DC is really a natural extension of your own experiences and interests. Mm -hmm. And when did you decide to take your, you know, your interest in immigrant foods and, you know, food and culture and turn that into this venture? This is something I've been considering for um, almost as long as I've been a mother. So I can't put a date on it exactly, but at least 
eight or 10 years. Um, it was just a concept that I personally, uh, it's just defining who I am personally. And I thought, goodness, this has helped me connect with people that I would have never connected with. And I would love to be able to share this kind of experience with others. I'm sure other people like myself would like to get to know their neighbors, uh, but might not be as bold as I've been. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> and uh, for me, just food and people is already such a natural passion of mine. Um, it's something that um, as my children were really young, I wanted to do, I hosted an international dinner club for young women where I taught them how to make a lot of these foods that my immigrant friends had taught me how to make. It was in a time when we were living in a really rural area of Maryland, and these girls had never been exposed to interesting foods. So I was able to take that and introduce them to all kinds of foods. Um, and they, then I would invite them to come help me prepare those foods, one or two of them before we had the dinner club. Um, so that was a really fun way to share what I'd been learning, but I wanted to continue sharing what I had learned and, and the relationships that I had developed. Um, so it's been years in the making, but really it was more about two years ago where I got a clearer vision of what it looked like. Cause I kept envisioning these events being hosted in homes. But to what mm-hmm. we were just talking about, the DMV area is such an expensive place to live. All of us live in very small homes. And so I just thought, how does that doesn't really make sense? This is such a, you know, you can only fit five or six people in a lot of a lot of our homes. So after thinking and praying about it for a long time, um, it occurred to me, well, goodness, there's all these amazing immigrant-owned restaurants. Um, I'm sure they have slack space. I don't want to um affect their ability to sell uh, their seats. But what if I utilize their space during their downtime, they already have to abide by health standards. That was another concern I had. I'm um, mm-hmm. just making sure it was a clean, safe environment. And they already cook great food. So um, that was about a year and a half ago and or two years ago. And I've been working my way toward um, this concept ever since. That's really, I mean, it's really smart and it seems obvious, but as somebody who also has gone through her own evolution of running a business and kind of building a project from scratch, those obvious solutions are not always obvious. So (laughs) I think it's great that you, you know, you moved a a little bit away from your original idea and it is genius to, of course, restaurants have downtime, they have slow periods. Why not use those slow periods? And then the restaurants can share, you know, more of their stories, their cuisine, the people behind the restaurant can engage maybe in a more direct way with the attendees. It's really brilliant. And when I attended one of your events, I was struck by the fact that the focus was really on storytelling, but connecting people and culture. And I felt like you know, it was great. The food was great. And I I learned something about food, but the focus was not on food specifically, like it had been at other dinner events, um, or food related events that I had attended in the past. And so, you know, why do you think that that's an important aspect of the open kitchen DC experience? My desire is genuinely to honor these people They Mm -hmm. have made so many sacrifices um, first to get to the U.S. Um, A lot of them have experienced extreme hardship in their own countries. Some of them have been persecuted. Um, They have overcome 
tremendous um, difficulties when they arrived. Many of them have worked as taxi cab drivers or uh, the back staff in a hotel, um, and they have saved their pennies and they have opened a restaurant in an area that, you know, the rent is outrageous here. Um, mm-hmm. And so I just think I, I admire them so much and I want them to have the opportunity to share their story with our guest because yeah, they create great food. And I only ask restaurants that I think create the food that best represents their culture in our area, but there's so much more than their food. And they, most of them have never gotten to share their story um, with the general public, like somebody that wasn't a close friend. And so you just see them light up um, as you start to ask them questions about their story and their family and what it was like living in their country. And Mm -hmm. it is such an honor for me to get to highlight and honor them and, um, you can see, you know, some of the photos that we capture at their, the events. I just love like their face tells the story of like, they feel celebrated and they may have not felt celebrated in a really long time. So I, it gives me great joy to do that. So I'm glad that is how you experienced it because that's what I want is I want to honor, celebrate them experience. And I think the attendees enjoy it just as much because here they're getting to hear a firsthand story from Nepal or Ethiopia um, or these different mm-hmm. countries that they may not know much about, much less have had a conversation with um, an individual who grew up there. Yeah. I mean, I think it's it was really striking when uh, I attended the event. And I, I remember thinking, this is a really, really important concept. And I hope to see more of this in the future. So I'm glad that you have found a way through you know, this COVID-19 crisis to continue your work. And could you just talk a little bit about, um, I'm not going to, I'm not going to call it a pivot. (laughs) I'm so tired of that word of how your, you and your business have kind of shifted due to the crisis. Yeah. So, um, our last event was on March 15th, which if anybody remembers the timeline of (laughs) COVID-19 shutdowns, uh, DC during our event, actually like shut down restaurants. We were over on the Virginia side. So it happened a few days later for us. Um, But that was a scary and intense season um, for my friends who own restaurants. Uh, The week and a half leading up to that, their restaurants were already starting to empty out. Um, Mm -hmm. And so we decided to go ahead and have that event on March 15th, let anybody cancel that didn't feel safe. Um, But really, the restaurant owners were feeling incredibly concerned about what was about to happen. And as we learned, they should have been very concerned. Um, So we hosted that event and just really in in order to emotionally support the owners, even though um, it wasn't even really, it was just to support them knowing that things were getting really scary. Um, And then things stopped and I kept trying to think of a way that I could continue to support the restaurant owners that I knew. I was checking in on them. We were ordering some takeout. And then on the news, I heard about an organization that was uh, called Feed the Fight, who was delivering uh, meals to healthcare workers. So I went online and looked at who their um, the restaurants were that they were ordering from. And they were primarily American restaurants. So I just 
reached out blindly and said, hey, you know, sent it to the general info email and said, hey, I've got a network of immigrant owned restaurants that would love to be part of this. And they got back to me. And within a week, I had, um, I think the first order was like 400 meals being sent to different hospitals and healthcare providers all over the DC area. So quickly started calling all my friends and they were delighted to have some business. Um, My Ethiopian friends in particular were like, we don't even need to get paid. We just want to do something to help fight COVID. And I'm like, no, we want to pay you. That's part of the mission. (laughs) Um, And so, you know, it was good for them. Um, both because they had were able to generate some income during a time that, you know, now everybody's comfortable ordering takeout, but back then people weren't sure about takeout. And mm-hmm. so they were literally having a handful of customers a day. Um, and so we were able to uh, provide income and just provide something for them to do, which they, they desperately desired to help in some way. So that was, yeah, our quote unquote pivot that, I wish there was a different word for. Um, And we did that uh, all throughout the spring into the summer um, and uh, delivered 2,000 immigrant made or over 2,000 immigrant made meals. So that was a really positive um, way to support um, healthcare workers and my immigrant friends. And I was able to expand my network. I um, developed relationships with a number of other immigrant owned restaurants um, through this that I invited to participate. That's awesome. I mean, I remember those early days and it was really scary for all of us. And I feel like, you know, a lot of people kind of pulled inwards and businesses as well, um, pulled inwards naturally, right? No one was going anywhere. You're right. People were very worried about getting takeout and our comfort levels have risen now. But at the time, there were many, many folks who were like, I'm only getting groceries every two weeks. I'm cooking everything for myself. I sanitize the groceries. Um, and I feel like that period was really intensely fearful. And I think it's really beautiful that during that moment when so many people were so scared, you were able to make an impact and also just kind of broaden your network. And like you said, give these restaurant folks something to do who have, you know, watched their usually their life's work, like their life savings go into this project, maybe dry up. Like you said, there's only a couple customers a day. So I think that is an incredible pivot, um, one that we should definitely celebrate. And now you are back to hosting um, socially distanced in-person events, correct? I am. And how has the reception been um, since you restarted in-person events, how has you know attendance been, and and how do you think the crowd has has re- received this like experience? It's gone better than I expected. Um, I initially just planned one because it was really just dipping my toes in the water to see if people were ready. Um, especially on the Virginia side, we entered phase mm-hmm. three ahead of the DC side. So we uh, decided to try hosting something over here. Um, Understanding that a lot of people were not comfortable sitting inside and that was okay. I'm not, you know, that's not my audience, but those people that um, love to travel and haven't been able to travel or were comfortable eating inside, um, those people were my audience that I thought, you know, restaurants, this is the crazy thing. Even with phase three, you look at the requirements and it looks like the restaurants could see up to 75% of their capacity. But the reality is 
when you set the table six feet apart, a restaurant that could typically host 65 people now is down to about 24. Um, so, wow. you know, these restaurants are struggling. So really a big part of this was just to show support of the restaurant to the restaurants and, and give those people that are interested in having a cultural experience and feel like they've gotten a little escape for a little bit, um, the opportunity to do so. So our first event, we hosted, um, about 24 people at Yumi Sushi and it was a huge hit. It was so much fun. There was, um, it's just a really beautiful production, the way um, Chef Peter presents his sushi and he even there was fire involved and it was just very exciting, you know. And so um, that event sold out weeks in advance. Um, so I thought, OK, this is a good sign. So I went back to my friend um, Deep over at Royal Nepal Restaurant, which is on Washingtonian's top 100 list. I mean, it's a great restaurant over in Delray. And I said, you know, we just sold out this sushi event. Would you be willing to host an event? And he immediately said yes. So we host an event there um, two weeks ago. It sold out weeks in advance. And now um, because the event at Yumi was such a hit, we're hosting a um, uh, curated Open Kitchen DC event where Chef Peter is importing uh, tuna, mm -hmm. fresh tuna from Japan. He like selects it over text message from a Japanese market. It like comes with a little thermometer. It's never frozen and a little tracking device in the box. So it makes sure that it's safe and fresh when he gets it three days later. So it's going to be really cool, really interesting. He's opening up for open kitchen only on a Monday night. So again, it's even safer because like nobody else is there. Um, mm -hmm. Our events now, especially because of COVID are um, nobody else is coming into the restaurant. I let the restaurants, um, seat outside because I don't want to prevent them from making money, but we make sure that our events are only the people that have registered, that the tables are six feet apart, um, mm -hmm. and that all the safety guidelines and requirements that are supposed to be in place are in place. And uh, so I've had a number of friends that have come that say, this is my first time eating inside a restaurant, but I knew that you would you know, you would make sure that this is safe and I feel safe mm -hmm. here. So um, that's been an encouragement to me to know that um, you know, people trust me and that's also, you know, holds me to account to make sure that, you know, obviously I would never want to do anything to put anybody into danger. And so really, um, making sure these events are safe and fun. And for those of us that really miss, um, traveling, it kind of gives us a fun little way to escape for an hour and a half or two. Yeah. I mean, it sounds lovely. I of course have not attended. I'm still uncomfortable with uh, indoor dining, though at this point my husband would go anywhere <laughs> because I think I think he, like many people, wants an escape. Um, but I know that I saw you know some of your your posts after the last two events you hosted. You know this like it looked amazing, and for people who have been what is it seven months now, you know mostly indoors, away from other people, and really missing the things I think that a lot of us leaned on for comfort or for, as you said, an escape like travel or going out and, and being able to socialize a little bit. It really, you know, it does sound to me like the ideal experience, especially because we can't travel and I love to travel. It's been a struggle for me to be in one place for so long. So as we look towards winter, 
Um, what are your, you know, some of your fears or concerns about Open Kitchen DC or maybe, uh, you know, for the restaurants that you partner with? Yeah, there's a very good chance that we won't be able to host events over the winter. So mm -hmm. we're just keeping um, a lookout for kind of COVID rates, uh, hike, mm -hmm. spiking, anything like that. Um, so I don't think it's a fear for open kitchen because we will just do what we did in the spring. Um, we will continue to figure out ways to support our immigrant friends without hosting events. Um, mm -hmm. But I'm definitely concerned about my immigrant friends um, because they've, all of them, that all of the people within my network have survived so far. Um, but I know that the rent is so high um, and they're, the support that they've received from the government is very limited. So really I am concerned for them. And, but like I said, we'll figure out a way to support them, but it would likely not be hosting events because we absolutely will adhere to whatever guidelines the government's giving and would not want to put anybody at risk. Yeah. I mean, that makes sense. And I think winter is going to be a difficult period for many, many businesses, particularly restaurants in the area as it gets colder and, you know, we can't sit outside anymore. Um, and I have to say, though, I look forward to seeing what you will be working on in the next six months, because I know that if anyone will find a creative way <laughs> to continue to engage with the community and continue to, you know, support these businesses, it will be you. I will see you pop up somewhere with some really cool project. And I, I really look forward to it. I think that this type of work is really essential right now. Um, as we move into what is going to be probably a cold, scary season for a lot of business owners. I appreciate that. Thank you. And we'll be back. <laughs> so if we, Absolutely. if we, you know, settle down over the winter, we'll figure out a way to support, but events will be back. And this is something that I have thought about for long enough that this is not going to disappear. I've seen several organizations like mine in different cities shut down. Um, but mm -hmm. um, this is something I'm really passionate and committed to. So yeah, we're not going anywhere. I have no doubt. Well, all right. It's time for a lighter topic. That was a little bit heavy. Um, I ask, I try to ask everyone this question because it seems so simple and then it's never simple when they answer. <laughs> what is your favorite food and why? Hmm. Right now, my favorite food is um, Lao food from Shesing mm. because I had never even tasted it until about a year ago. And she makes this salad with crunchy rice. Um, do you know what I'm talking about? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That one is like so good. And then this beef jerky. So I didn't even know that I liked Lao food. And that stuff is amazing. So that's like probably my favorite kind of takeout food right now. But I do, I'm a sucker for sushi and I really do love Nepali food. But honestly, it's 
probably often whatever I've last eaten that I'm like, oh my word, I love this. So, so a lot of, I catch myself on Facebook going, this is my favorite restaurant or I love this food. And I'm like, oh, I said that like about somebody else last week because I really do. I love food. I love different flavors. And I'm not one of those people that could even, people that have like those rotating meal plans every month. That is not me. No, it's always got to be new and I've always got to be experimenting. And if I haven't tasted it, then that's what I'm going to go try next because like, I always want to taste something new. Yeah. I really resonate with that because I feel like I, I have a similar approach to food and sometimes I, I realize that in my captions, I'll be like, this is the best because it was the last like really, really, really good meal that I had. And it, you know, everything about it was great. So in my mind, in that moment, it's fabulous. And then because I love and enjoy food so much, just like the whole experience, right? The way it looks, like smelling new foods and the way the house smells when you're making something new. And then, you know, I'll have my next meal and I'll sit down to write about it and I'll be like, this one's the best. (laughs) Well, I'll tell you one thing you've been posting that I keep wanting to make because it looks so yummy is those everything um, bagels, I guess that you make some of your sourdough mm-hmm. creations. I'm like, Oh, that looks really good. I haven't done it yet. But <laughs> I have some food in the well, here. Yeah. I, um, actually those came from being overseas and missing good bagels. Mm. Like just, there are little things that you can't get when you're abroad, um, depending on where you are. And, you know, as an American with a certain amount of privilege, we could get most imported things, even if they were more expensive and get the things we were craving. But there were two things we really could not get our hands on when we lived in Jordan. One was any sort of decent bagel that was a bagel and not just like a boiled biscuit. Um, (laughs) So it took me like a year, but that came from me loving where I was living, but really just wanting a taste of home. So I started making bagels and here we are now people are like, Oh, you know, please make more bagel recipes. And I'm like, Oh, that's probably not what I want to do for the next year. Sorry. DC has a lot of options. And now you can buy a good bagel. You don't have to make. (laughs) That's true. That's true. Well, um, thank you so much for, for talking with me and, I will put all of the information about Open Kitchen DC and where to find your events in the show notes. I think you're doing incredible work and I cannot wait until the day comes where I feel comfortable to attend events again, but I know that other people are already there. And for those folks, I highly recommend Open Kitchen DC. It is a fabulous, fabulous organization. So thank you, Mary. Thank you so much, Nella. Thank you for tuning in to Magic at the Margins. If you enjoy this episode, please share with at least one other person who you think might also appreciate this work. It does a world of difference. Thanks again, and I hope that food can bring a few more of us together. <laughs>